Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Let's get it. Trey, still here two weeks in a row, man. Let's give it back to you. Call it in the air, Texas or Blimp. Still here. Let's go with Blimp. Ooh. It's Blimp. All right. Blimp. Give me the ball. All right. Well, there's three of us here today, boys, so I got a three-sided coin in honor of that. We have three wide receivers with new homes, and I want to tell I want you guys to tell me which one of these guys is going to be best for your fantasy team over the next two years. Got Juju Smith Schuster, Amari Cooper, or Christian Kirk. Oof. Oh man. Okay. Since you're putting me on the spot here, I'm gonna go with uh Juju, but I do think it's close. And the reason is I think uh Juju's got the most upside. So if he comes in and he, you know, looks anywhere like near 80% of what we know he's, you know, capable of in the past in that offense, I think his value could really jump up. Whereas I think we're kind of at the the ceiling for Cooper and I don't really care about Christian Kirk. So yeah, give me Juju in that uh, Chiefs offense. Tarek, do you have a different opinion on this one? I actually do. It is close uh, between Juju and the guy I am picking, Amari Cooper. Um, but I, I definitely would have erred toward Amari Cooper, so I'm glad Trey, you know, left me that bag. Um, yeah, you know, it's close. I, obviously, Juju is a good amount younger, but I think Amari Cooper is the better overall wide receiver, uh, even if he's a little bit inconsistent at times. And uh, of, you know, these players, um, obviously Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, but Deshaun Watson isn't that far behind in terms of talent. So um, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper being the number one option in Cleveland over the next two years, whereas I think like Jamison Williams is going to be the number one option for the Kansas City Chiefs by 2023. Interesting. Spicy. Or whatever, whatever, you know, receiver they take this year in the first round. Although, you know, their recent wide receiver draft picks do not inspire very much confidence. I don't, I don't know if Williams is going to make it to the Chiefs when they're picking at the end of the first. So uh, if he does, yeah. that'd be a heck of a pick for them. Uh, they've been known to trade up in the first before. True. I, I'm kind of, for some reason I've had this idea in my head, and maybe we'll talk about it next week as we get into the receivers. I have this idea in my head that Jamison Williams is a chief. Already. You know? huh? I, I don't know why. It's just sticking in my craw. Yeah. Has this, this juju wide receiver one in Kansas City ride can't last too long, can it? Well, why not, man? I mean, I think he's yeah, I think he's gonna do well there, and I think he's gonna ha- you know, have some fantasy value. Um, but you know, I'm not going out of my way to acquire him. And yeah, I, I I do have Amari Cooper ranked over him. Trey, you say why not? I'm just saying everybody's trying to will somebody else to Kansas City. Everybody's doing it right now. At least a draft pick. Something. I mean, Kansas City did come out and say, you know, we are still looking at top wide receivers right now, which uh, uh, bullshit you are. Because if you are, then why are you letting, you know, one of the best <laughs> wide receivers in the league walk out the door at market rate? So. Yeah, I'm not buying that for a second. I, I mean, they did get, you know, five draft picks back for Hill, and they did not have to pay him $30 million a year, no matter what you think about the cap. I mean, ultimately, that's clearly not something they wanted to do. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, like, they're definitely going to draft a first round receiver at least, if not kind of look for a receiver that maybe is a little bit 
cheaper on the trade market and younger than Tyreek Hill. But I don't know. I, I definitely am. I hear what you're saying about the upside of Juju. I just think, like Mitch is saying, like we're not long for that upside. Like somebody's going to come in and be the alpha there um, outside of himself and Travis Kelsey. All right. You're wrong, but all right. Well, <laughs> let's all just agree that the answer is not Christian Kirk here. <laughs> hey, man, I thought this was a three-sided coin. Don't you have to take Christian Kirk? No, John did, and uh, that's why we didn't actually let him participate in this week's uh, episode. Okay. Oh, that's right. John, stay in silent. Yeah, that's why, you know, we kicked him out. We kicked him off the podcast so we wouldn't have to talk about Christian Kirk. Sorry, John. John. Your silence is deafening right now. <laughs> What the fuck is up, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuia. With me today, you heard him in the coin toss, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. John is, is no longer with us on the long game. He is... <laughs> He's kicked off indefinitely, <laughs> or at least until next week. Hopefully just until next week. Yeah, yeah. It uh, depends on if, uh, you know, what happens with Christian Kirk, I guess. I, I, th- I guess those two things are linked now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't make the rules. Why, why did John get kicked off? There are no rules. Uh, who could know? You'll have to listen back to the coin toss trade because uh, that, uh, apparently that's what came out of that. Commissioner anyway. discretion. Got it. Okay. Anyway, Mitch, what's going on with you, man? Oh, what's up, guys? Uh, pretty excited going back to State College this weekend. Going to be flying up there on Friday pretty early in the morning. But And for the 8% of our audience that knows what State College is, that is a town in Pennsylvania. Where I would say a good amount of listeners are on this podcast. True. So hey, all right. Shout out to State shout College. Out. Go uh, Penn State, I guess sometimes yeah but yeah go titty lions yeah but excited to go visit some friends up there i'm actually gonna be uh doing some curling i'll I'll make sure to uh, send some videos of me eating shit on ice you know what dude i've tried curling before i actually was able to uh give it a shot at a bar in uh, chicago a couple years back and uh it's pretty damn fun so definitely recommend it well you know me never get hurt yeah don't come back with two uh torn acls (laughs) shuffleboard on ice i like it okay so trey mitch is traveling to pennsylvania and both you and i were in texas recently so how are you doing uh back in boston i'm good man it's gonna be home it it was a, a quick trip i got down there to uh uh, see some family and take care of a little bit of work, but uh, no, it's good to be back and uh, last trip for a while. So I'm staying put. And you guys can expect more of me uh, in the coming weeks. All right, I love it. I love it. Okay, so today uh, we're kind of, you know, there was like a three week news of Palooza there uh, that we were just kind of weighed down by. I mean, obviously it was a really fun period of the NFL schedule, but. I feel like we can finally take a breath for like the first time in a month and really just talk about this 2022 class as we approach the NFL draft in about a month and then soon after that rookie draft season in our dynasty league. So today we're going to spend the entire first half and most of the second half on the 2022 running backs 
which we started talking about last week with Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Isaiah Spiller, who are the top three for most people, but obviously not all people. Um, You know, Mitch is going to talk about one of the guys in his top three today. And after those three, there's a decent amount of interesting guys that I think we expect to get drafted in NFL drafts and in rookie drafts. So we kind of got a lot to get through. Um, You know, it's I I would say that this running back class is I don't know if you can say that it has the top end talent of the last few classes, but I think it's at least similarly deep as the last few classes. Like there's enough guys to talk about it to make it interesting. So talking about the running backs, then at the end of the episode, we will do a quick overview of the 2022 tight end class which is uninspiring and and uh, lacking, but it does merit some mention. You know, we got we got to talk about those big boys. We got to talk uh, about the tight ends. Exactly. You guys have. To. I used to I used to play tight end, guys. Hey. Yeah, I remember. So it's got, okay, it's got a special place in my heart. Wait, I thought you were a linebacker. I moved around. I moved around. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I spent time at tight end, linebacker, backup, O line, maybe, maybe some year. center. I feel like. Man. Yeah. 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 That's what happens when you stop growing at 14. (laughs) (laughs) Jack of all trades. All right, let's kick off this first half, getting back into these running backs. And the first guy we're going to talk about, uh, Mitch uh, proclaimed him last week as his running back three in the class. And that is Zamir White, who played at Georgia, which has kind of been RBU as of late. Uh, I think that, you know, they have a long history of really good running backs in the NFL. So Zamir White, he's got two ACL tears in his background in 2017 and 2018. So kind of uh, at the end of his high school, beginning of college. And that limited his production early on, despite being a five-star recruit. Um, So over his three years in Athens, he had just over 2,000 rushing yards and a lot of committees with a lot of good backs. But he got a little more work each year, a little more usage, getting a little bit more on film, very little usage in the passing game, though. So, Mitch, you mentioned last week he was your running back three ahead of Kenneth Walker, Kenny Three Sticks. So tell me what you like about Zeus. I like the way that you introduced Samir White, kind of walked through how the ACL tears happened early on and how he slowly but surely overcame that and worked well in committees and increased his rushing yards and whatnot. I, I, that's pretty much exactly what it shows on tape as well. Um, I love Zeus. He's big. Uh, I, you know, watching his film, he's a bruiser. He fights for extra yards. I love his patience. And like, I think that this will translate to a committee in the NFL as well. And like most NFL teams are running committees anyway. So that doesn't specifically scare me off of any landing spot per se. Uh, he's faster than advertised, even though uh, a four four flat isn't exactly slow. But I love the way he looks for contact, and you know, you you do have to get over the ACL tears uh, when it comes to running backs. It doesn't hold a whole lot of weight for me because their shelf lives are short anyway. So I'm leaning on that five star high school recruit status and consistent play at Georgia, where his opponents are all getting drafted in the NFL. So. Uh, he's shown it there, and look, like, running back three is, I, I feel like there's room to to fall there, but I feel I feel good about him there. I, I, I think that 
I would invest a, uh, you know, maybe a second round draft pick in him. I, I think that's where I'm feeling right now, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, uh, Trey, maybe you can hit us with some of the uh, the stats here. But uh, oh, yeah. what do you guys think, man? Yeah, so uh, since we talked last week, this is a guy that's moved up a little bit for me as well. So I'm actually closer to Mitch on this one than I was a week ago. So uh, I, I don't hate him at uh, running back three at all. And uh, part of the reason is, um, you know, you mentioned the athleticism. Uh, he tested really well at the combine. So that speed score and, the, and his burst score uh, put him in, you know, the top half of uh, athletes in the league. So he's showing that upside that we like. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he did weigh in a little bit light. So, um, you know, the 29 BMI kind of just missed the that 30 cutoff that I usually want to look for. But uh, the other thing that uh, sticks out to me is the film grade here. Lance Zerline gave him a 6.25 uh, for this class. So, um, you know, that actually came out to, uh, you know, third highest running back in this class. So uh, Tarek uh, earlier at the top mentioned that, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily the high end talent running back class that we've seen, but there is a decent number of, um, you know, guys that look like, you know, respectable depth pieces here. And I think uh, that Lance Zerline grades would agree with that. There's six guys that kind of project as average starters, if not better. Uh, in the NFL. So, um, yeah, you add that together, you add in the production at, um, at Georgia and yeah, he actually grades out as uh, number three for me in this class as well. So I'm right there with you, Mitch. Wow. Wow. Excited to see where he lands. Really excited. I think he could slide into late first territory, you know, depending on, uh, landing spot and draft capital. And so I think that's what, uh, that's what does it for me more with him is the draft cap. Like I mentioned earlier, it's like I don't necessarily care where he goes, but when he goes is pretty important. Uh, if a team if team pulls the trigger on him early, like what second round? Is that too high? I think it's possible. I think, yeah. like honestly, I think a team could pull the trigger there, and if they do, that's enough indication to me that he's going to be uh, at least a focal point of a committee, which is all we can hope for right now. Yeah, I think. It would not surprise me, given the Lance Zerline grade, given his five-star status, which we've mentioned a couple of times, and that's analytically kind of noise, but where it's interesting is that, one, him being a five-star recruit, that matters for NFL scouts. Like They, they are into that, and two, I think that contributes to the fact that okay, maybe he's a little lighter than we'd want, and maybe that's because he was just gearing up to run really fast, which he did. Right, right. So if he pay, plays more at a six foot two twenty, that's what they call a five star frame. Right, he's got the size to handle the workload in the NFL. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted over Isaiah Spiller, uh, given how much Isaiah Spiller kind of suffered in the athletic testing. So, you know, I don't, he's my running back five right now. Uh, I have uh, a guy we're going to talk about uh, later ahead of him for my running back four. But yeah, I mean, if he gets that late second, early third draft capital, I think it's going to be really easy for me to move him up into the top four, if not, uh, the top three ahead of Isaiah mm -hmm. Spiller. We'll just kind of have to remain fluid there. Yeah, and I'm basing my uh, uh, evaluation off of a late third uh, projection here. So there's definitely upside if, um, you know, the NFL community likes what they see with this guy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say if he fell into the fourth, there are definitely going to be some concerns on my end, and I'm sure y'all's end as well. Yeah. But we'll see. 
I, I think the athleticism that he demonstrated at the combine, it surprised me at least. I, I know before the combine, Lance Zerline already had him as the third or fourth rated uh, prospect in this class. And then after the combine, it like solidified as the third. Yeah, but so we'll find out exactly how good those knees are doing as well. You know, with all those yeah. doctors checking that out. True. Yeah. I mean, I think the what I was reading yesterday and earlier today is that um, the initial reports is that there's really no concern uh, about his knees. So good to hear. that's good. But yeah, further you know, testing and stuff like that, um, meeting with teams and stuff. It'll be it'll be interesting to track for Zamir White. Okay, let's move on to this next guy, uh, and it's Damian Pierce, uh, the Florida Gator, who comes in at 5'10", 218, very minimal production in college, and he just turned 23. A lot of the guys we're going to talk about today are 23 years old. So in the Zerline NFL.com evaluation, he called the usage rate by the Florida coaching staff, quote, embarrassing, end quote. Uh, average athletic testing, you know, right around that 50th percentile for speed score and burst score. But Trey, this was the guy that you flagged last week as your running back four. I don't know if that's changed in the interim, but kind of as our resident analytics-focused evaluator, that was intriguing to me given his lacking production profile. So talk to me about Damian Pierce out of Florida. Yeah, so I, I did call him out as my uh, top four guy uh, last week, and uh, I've since moved him down to uh, sixth in the class. Um, and and what really moved him around for me was just these updated uh, projections on where you know we're expecting him to go uh, on draft day. So right now, the the projected draft capital is a likely fourth round pick. Uh, so when you're dealing with day three guys like this. You know, that is going to put him behind guys like the big three we talked about last week and Zamir White, who we just talked about. So all those guys are projected to go earlier on draft day. You also mentioned the average athleticism. So, yeah, the 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 fact that he didn't really show out uh, for his 40 time or for his, you know, broad jump or vertical, uh, it does give some concerns about his upside. Uh, But what he did show is prototypical size. He has a 31.3 BMI. Uh, and he's on, the only guy in this second tier of running backs that we're going to talk about today who hits that 30 BMI target. So I really like seeing that. It tells me that he's got the frame to handle the hits at the next level. Um, but the, where he really shines is on the field and on tape. So yes. the production, the rushing market share, the target share aren't the best. But I think we can put a lot of that on the Florida coaching staff. Like Lance Airline said, he hits on the BAE rating which shows that he's really strong uh, and really efficient against his teammates. He had 114% BAE rating there. He also graded out really well uh, with the Lance Zerline film score, 6.2, which puts him in that top six of this class as projected starters in the NFL. And uh, Mitch sent me a link uh, that I was reading through earlier today. It was uh, from uh, journalist Doug Farrar from uh, USA Today, called him, quote, the best in the class at the running back position uh, because of how he showed up on film. So, look, I I think where there's uh, smoke, there's fire. Uh, he's a guy who's probably going to come in at like a mid to high second round rookie pick for me because uh, I think there's going to be teams that want to give him the opportunity to be the lead back. Yeah, Trey, I, I'm so glad you flagged this guy. Uh, when we were doing our initial running back rankings, Trey was the first one to finish his rankings. And when I saw this dude all the way up there, I immediately check that with DLF and uh, there was 
I think they have them at like running back nine or something. Yeah, so nine or ten. I made sure to do some extra film watching with uh, Damian Pearson. He he's exciting to watch. Dude looks like a little uh, Doug Martin or Ray Rice type runner. Um, like he his profile says five ten, but like I think he actually was five nine at the combine. Yeah. Five nine two oh, okay. twenty. Like he plays really, really small. And uh but what's also really exciting on film is how good he is laterally and how fluid he looks running routes out of the backfield. So mm. just with all of those skills and tools, he looks like he will translate to the NFL. And so uh when you're watching it with those lenses on, um I, I don't know. He's he's actually kind of easy to get excited about. So through this process, he's moved up to my running back five. And and if he goes in the top four rounds, like uh, mid fourth round or something like that, I think that solidifies where he will be in my rankings. If yeah. if he falls. Yeah, that that's rough. But this kid is a like he's like a fighter man. Uh, like on the field. I mean, like. I don't know. I, I like his odds. I like his odds in the NFL. I'd be spending a third round draft pick on this guy easily. The, this kid is a man. And I like what you said about the uh, the lateral agility, because uh, unfortunately, a lot of these guys didn't test in the, uh, the shuttle mm-hmm. uh, at the combine. So we don't really have like those agility scores. But, uh, you know, think back to last year. Uh, think back to Ramondre Stevenson. You know, mm-hmm. that was a big guy that really showed out with the uh, the lateral agility you know, he didn't really get like that top end usage at Oklahoma. He was kind of always stuck in a committee. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think this guy could fill a similar uh, role uh, for an NFL team. And, um, you know, I, I think Stevenson could, you know, be a lead guy in a backfield if he wasn't, you know, buried on the, the Pat's depth <laughs> chart. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I'm seeing a lot of that in, in Damian Pierce's game, too. You look at what Lance Zerline says, uh, what a guy like Alfredo Brown from Pretend GM has talked about Damian Pierce, uh, Ray GQ. It kind of seems like it's hard to find weaknesses in his profile, like from a film grinding perspective, like he does everything well. Um, And, you know, obviously from an analytics perspective, we want to see more volume. But, you know, you can follow the narrative that he's coming out of college with less than 300 touches on his body, essentially. Right. So. Um, he's, he's going to have a lot of tread and Hey, if, if, if the talent evaluators are right about his talent and he spits out, you know, in the third or fourth round of the NFL, this is going to be a guy definitely worth taking a shot on and Damian Pierce out of the university of Florida. All right, let's move on to the next guy who is my current running back four, and that is Rashad white 23 year old running back coming out of Arizona state. He spent his first few years at Mount San Antonio, which is a huh. JUCO, uh, transfers to Arizona State, gets his feet wet as a redshirt junior, and he really explodes as a redshirt senior. So a fifth year super senior, 182 carries in that year for just over a thousand yards. And the exciting part is that 43 receptions for 456 yards. Oh, yeah. Which was good for a 16% target share in that Sun Devil offense. So this is my running back four, and he's been a steady riser since the start of the offseason. Um, as people kind of metabolized what he did through the air and kind of how he paired that with what he did on the ground, especially kind of once he ran faster and jumped higher than I think many expected at the combine. So he's clearly a playmaker with the ball in his hands, but his 
you know, the tape analysts that I trust seem to not like his tight-hipped running style. The Lance Zerline score might indicate like a late day three draft capital, um, which would not be great. And, you know, if he gets day two draft capital, he's going to be really exciting. But, you know, kind of conversely, what I think that means is I'll probably have very little of him because he'll start to get drafted in the late first round. And I and I think there's a couple of these guys that we're talking about here that might get drafted in the late first round of rookie drafts. And I'm probably going to be out at that price with pretty much any of these guys. Like, um, obviously, like if draft capital just blows me out of the water. But for Rashad White, who's kind of my running back for right now, I'm in a way I'm kind of hoping that he gets drafted early day three so that I have a shot at adding him kind of in the late second, early third of my rookie drafts. But Mitch, uh, what did you think about Rashad White when watching him? All right. As some of the listeners may know, my little bro, Jordan Curley, played as a freshman at ASU. So I was like, oh, I'll just hit him up, see what he thinks about Rashad White. And I was like, what do you think about him, man? He's like, I have no idea. So we're on (laughs) our own here, boys. No inside scoop today. So to me, he's kind of like, I don't know, in that Elijah Mitchell, Khalil Herbert, Kylan Hill, Chuba Hubbard category from last year. Uh, He looks intriguing to me, like a decent runner in that read option kind of system where he caught the ball a lot, like you mentioned. But again, I I don't know. I, I don't feel like he jumps out to me. He does look stiff, as you mentioned, and... He has he he's he has raw talent. I think that perhaps if he latched on to a good system, he could catch on in the NFL. But he's not somebody that I think that currently I am looking at investing my own rookie draft pick in. Now, um, if he starts, if he gets drafted, like you were saying a little earlier, shows out in camp, then that's where my opinions may shift. But my initial evaluation is just that he's. Uh, too raw for the NFL. Yeah, and it's interesting that you know the the film evaluators like Lance Airline agree with you there. Uh, he he grades out really poorly on the film score, but I mean, just looking at these production metrics, the thirty seven point eight percent college dominator, the the eighteen point nine percent college target share, that's elite usage. And you pair that with the uh, the top end uh, testing, which uh, Tarek already mentioned. So, I mean. Th- What's I don't really understand what's missing because, you know, I haven't really watched the film, but I trust this valuation. So, you know, he comes in in this second tier for me right behind Zamir White and ahead of Damian Pierce and Isaiah Spiller uh, based on that strong production profile. But um, just because I do think that production profile indicates that, you know, there is a lot of potential here for fantasy points in the NFL if he gets in the right situation. So the upside is there. Uh, just need to figure out, you know, what the NFL isn't liking about him. But, you know, it only takes one team uh, to give you that draft capital on draft day. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Trey. It really only takes one team. Like if they see the tools, they see his, you know, his size speed combo. They see the fact that he can catch the ball out of the backfield and they decide to pull the trigger in the third round, then, you know, we're going to be really excited about Rashad White. Well, that's just it. If he's drafted as a weapon instead of a running back, then I feel like his stock definitely jumps up for me, too. I agree with that. Okay. All right, let's move on to John's running back four in the class, uh, and that was Zamir White's running mate in college. James Cook, 
Uh, he weighed in at 5'11", 199 pounds, so he's a good amount smaller than his brother Dalvin Cook, but a really productive receiver in college, a fast runner You know, with vision. He can find and hit the holes when they're available. Um, last week, John called him the quickest running back in the class, and he's definitely pretty fast. Uh, he ran in the low 4'4s. So, Trey, the concern with Cook might be his ceiling as a third down specialist. I think he might get decent draft capital, um, but what do you think? I, I completely agree with that. Uh, so we'll start out with the good, right? Like I, he is projected right now to go in the middle of the third round, and he did have some really efficient production uh, at Georgia. He had a 110% BAE, as well as a 6.6 yard per carry average in college, which is pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah. In the SEC, no less. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, you but you pair that with the fact that he topped out at a 16% dominator and 8% target share. That just screams like third down back in a committee uh, at the next level. And yeah, he did run a fast 40, but he weighed in at 199 pounds at five foot 11, which I think was like under 28 for his BMI. So he's always going to be a committee back. Like that is not a frame that's going to adjust to being an every down back in the NFL at all. And at that low weight, I mean, he misses the speed score and the burst targets that I'm looking for. So I, I'm really just doubting that that upside is there. And if you're going to like go for a guy who's really undersized, you know, go for a guy like Elijah Mitchell last year who had that elite, elite, uh, you know, mm -hmm. speed and burst. So if you look at the film score, he grades out as a developmental backup. So yeah, he's not somebody that I would, he's, he's not going to end up on any of my teams. He drops down to the ninth uh, rookie running back for me and um, probably wouldn't think about him before the end of the second. Yeah. It's, it's a damn shame. John is not here for this episode because I agree with you, Trey. Uh, guys, I don't feel like we'd be talking this much about James Cook if he wasn't Dalvin's little brother. And I, I hate doing right. that, but I mean, look, I think we have this imaginary ceiling for him because we know how good Dalvin is. So, like you said, he's he's small. He's real small. And I don't I just I don't see that translating well unless he's put in that perfect situation. And I kind of joked about this last episode before we went on. I was thinking about what would be the perfect landing spot. And I truthfully still think that the best spot for James Cook would be drafted by the Vikings. Because if there's any dude willing to cede some carries to to James Cook, that guy would be Dalvin Cook. So I could actually <laughs> legit see that working there, and that would be the one situation I'd be like, "Cool, I'm going to spend some draft picks on this guy." But well, it's funny you say that because you know the coaching staff there has never really gave any uh, other running back any opportunities except for Dalvin Cook. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah. But. If you've ever watched any of his interviews, that's a bad dude. Like, <laughs> when I'm healthy, I'm right. playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with it's interesting with the speed score thing because, like, yeah, it doesn't hit thresholds that you want it to hit because he's 199 pounds, right? But, like, I think what shows up with the low 4-4 speed is that if he gets an open space, ain't nobody catching him, right? So he's still a very fast man you know like he's still a very fast guy um so i think there's some tools there that we shouldn't completely dismiss right um there is a little bit of upside there in my opinion but uh I, it's not upside that i'm necessarily gonna bank on in my top you know six to eight 
running backs in this class, honestly. But I I just wanted to kind of, in John's stead, like recognize that there's upside, recognize that he's talented, that he's fast, and that he is elusive. And, you know, maybe he gets tackled very easily, but, you know, if he gets into an offense with an open space, who knows? He's elusive, but he gets tackled easily. No, I'm just I'm just giving you a hard time, dude. No, but no, I mean, like he can he can get around people, right? right. Like he can he, he can, can cut away from people, right? Elusive. Yeah, I guess elusive and tackle breaking are kind of synonymous. But I think like he's small. He's so not he a great run tackle, away from people. Right. Well, he's not a great tackle breaker, but he can hit holes really quickly. Right. And and get out into the second level. Right. And make people miss. So let me let me just compare him to Chuba Hubbard from last year, because I think Chuba had like a similar sort of limitation with his BMI when he weighed in. Uh, but at Oklahoma State, he showed a lot more of the, you know, RB1 dominator that we look for in these targets. And and James Cook just didn't show that. So I recognize he was in a, a great system that had Zamir White and, you know, uh, national championship aspirations, but um, you know it's not a guy that I'm I'm looking to place bets on come draft day. Okay, let's move on to a guy that was on the other end of that Georgia national championship, and that was Brian Robinson from Alabama, one of the bigger backs in the class at six two, two hundred twenty five pounds. Didn't really have a statistically significant season until his fifth year in college, but. It was a really good year as the Crimson Tides lead back. He had 1,337 rushing yards, 16 total touchdowns, as well as 296 receiving yards. So coming into the league, uh, another 23-year-old here, which, you know, it's not ideal, but being 23 coming out of college for a running back is not a death knell. So, Mitch, what did you see from Brian Robinson in your evaluation process? Brain Robinson looks kind of like Zeus to me. Just a little bigger, a little clunkier, and doesn't play as smooth. Uh, but he does have two fully functioning ACLs. Uh, his tape and his college profile remind me actually a little bit of Sermon from last year, and that's not something that I'm like excited about. But that last year breakout on a uh, on a good team, I, I just there's not a lot that gets me excited. He looks average in a lot of ways, so. Uh, where I'm at in this process, uh, I guess I'm not high, but I'm willing to change that opinion if he gets drafted in a situation where I think he can compete for that number two running back spot in a committee. But that's where his ceiling is for me. There just aren't any measurables other than his 6'2", 225 frame that I'm like gung-ho about. I, I think he, he, he moves too slow. He's, he's a bruiser that moves too slow. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, you know I'm not high on him either, and uh, he he grades out just above James Cook for me in this sort of third tier running backs. Uh, so it, compare him to Damian Pierce, who we talked about earlier, right? Like this is another guy who didn't get a ton of receiving usage uh, in the SEC, and um, you know didn't really have like a strong dominator at 24.4 percent. Where Damian Pierce really shined was that BAE rating, the 114 percent, which shows. He was really, really efficient versus his teammates. That is not where Brian Robinson shines at all. He came in at 82% there. So that is significantly worse than what you would expect for just average, which is 100%. So, right, right, like that's the the target we're looking for. He came in at 82.1. So, yeah, 
he came in a little bit light on his BMI as well. So this is not somebody that I would target um, until that James Cook range, like the end of the second, beginning of the third. Yeah, I'm just not going to be surprised if the, I, between Brian Robinson, Zamir White, Damian Pierce, like one of these guys is going to get drafted way higher than we think, right? So Brian Robinson coming out of Alabama, you know, had a good statistical compiling year last year was on the national stage. I'm just not going to be surprised if he gets drafted like in the second round, you know, and (laughs) here's some things to consider too, though. There are situations where Brian Robinson, despite our evaluations would rocket up our own boards, like say the Titans drafted him and we're like, um, well, okay, now there's actually somebody behind Henry and, you know, what if something happens to Henry or what if the Texans go for him? I mean, there are situations where I can see him actually uh, shooting up to our, like, top three or four, maybe, but Mm -hmm. I doubt it. Uh, You know what, man? Just hearing you describe that, that sounds like a poor usage of a second-round pick. It does. You know, (laughs) But hey, there's always that uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair type guy that flies too high for no reason. Yeah, I mean, right now, guys, he's projected to go at the end of the fourth round. So, you know, we'll see if that changes between now and April. But uh, right now, it's it's not looking like day two is in the cards. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Lance Zerline gave him a 6.21, right? So he's kind of right in that top six mix in terms of the prospect grade. True. But uh, we will just have to see what happens. I mean, I just like I agree with y'all. Like, I'm not a huge Brian Robinson fan uh, at all. But at the same time, I think we just got to recognize, right, with the information we have now before draft capital becomes kind of the final input, we got to remain open to uh, to him, you know, rising up our ranks, as, as Mitch liked to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mic check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. So uh, this week in halftime, we are going to get back to the bread and butter of Dynasty Fantasy Football podcasting, guys. We're going to talk about sells in Dynasty, right? So, you know, buy, sell, and hold. That's that's the bread and butter of Dynasty Buys right there. And sells. So. Let's uh, let's talk about sells. Um, so, Mitch, let's go you first. What, who is a sell in Dynasty for you right now? All right, let's go with Cortland Sutton. Uh, he's risen 21 spots on keep trade cuts since the acquisition of Russell Wilson. So that puts him at wide receiver 27. And I think the time to move him is right now because of that. And first off, let me just say it. I love Cortland Sutton. Last year, he was one of my guys on our Reputation Player episode. I think he's a baller, 6'4", 215 with the alpha frame, and I love his potential. He went to the best college in the NCAA. Go Mustangs. Uh, He won't be a reputation player of mine again this year, though. Uh, I think this is the last year of his value insulation. I think he's been held up there for a long time with our favorite word, potential. So Mm -hmm. some are expecting Russ and Sutton to make some magic happen. I'm expecting something more in the middle, somewhere around wide receiver 32, 35. And expecting Sutton to finish in the top 25 wide receivers is pretty optimistic and yet that's the price that the market is still willing to pay for him so he may be a wide receiver three forever waiting on that wide receiver one breakout that never comes so i think it's time to get out while the getting's good and sell Cortland sutton 
Yeah, this is interesting to me because I was when I was, you know, researching for who my cell was going to be today, I considered Jerry Judy because oh yeah. He's wide he's moved up to wide receiver 18 on keep trade cut. So as much as Sutton has moved up, Judy's just flexing all the way up there. So uh I think Judy might even be more of a sell. What do you think? I I, I think fuck me. I, you should just do my <laughs> segment next time too. Then, <laughs> yeah, Tarek, I like that. I I'm definitely selling Judy at 18. I I think so, Mitch. I'll just say I do think Sutton will be a top 24 receiver this year, but he's probably still overvalued. Yeah, no, T. I I agree with you, man. No, Judy is as well because it's like this just imaginary bump. We don't know how it's going to work just yet, and like we would like to assume that he's just going to be Russ is just going to be cooking there in Denver but let's not forget they got a pretty good running back there too and uh yeah. like i don't know we don't know what that offense is going to look like just yet what we really need to find out is who Russell Wilson is going to be eating breakfast with mm-hmm. um which you know i think if we don't get that information from the Denver beat writers they're really not doing their job well if albert o hasn't made himself some albert o's cereal yet he's the one fucking <laughs> up so <laughs> some albert o's cereal yeah all right trey why don't you give us your cell all right so i'm gonna go a little different direction i'm gonna go quarterback here and i look i love this player but i really think joe burrow is just super overvalued right now uh so on keep trade cut he's currently at quarterback four overall and he's also the number seven overall player in Dynasty for Superflex. So going at 1.07 in startups, I just don't think there's any room to go up from there. Uh, so if you've got him on your squad, you're essentially storing all that value in his future production, which, yeah, is safe. But if you want to win this year, then I would think about trading Burrow for guys like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray plus a piece. Because both those guys are likely to outscore Burrow because they've got something he doesn't. They've got rushing production and upside. And that piece could be a useful uh, piece on a contender. It could be somebody like Brandon Cooks or a second round pick. Or better yet, you could swap Burrow right now for Matthew Stafford and an early 2023 first rounder. Uh, Go back to last season, Stafford and Burrow had nearly identical fantasy points per game at 20.4 so i know that you're adding nine years but if you can do that and add a 2023 first early in the process then yeah sign me up that's that's that arbitrage baby that's that arbitrage arbitrage joe burrow is matthew stafford i like it uh i yeah i mean i've ever since joe burrow overtook lamar jackson uh in any kind of ranks, uh, I've been on the Seljo Burrow train as well. And I'm going to talk about the next quarterback that was drafted in that 2020 class. My cell is Tua Tungavailoa. So his new suite of weapons and the addition of Teron Armstead on the offensive line has his value up about 15 spots, about a full round in overall keep trade cut ranks in the last few weeks, putting him ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley, Devonte Smith and a mid 2022 first, which could turn into, you know, like a Traylon Burks or a Garrett Wilson. And honestly, guys, I would add a bit to Tua to get any of those, to be honest. I'm I'm rooting for Tua. Like I liked him coming out of school. I really hope that he becomes a better quarterback and hopefully that improved situation lifts him up a bit. 
But through two years, I just haven't seen enough out of Tua Tungavailoa to think he can be anything but a mid-level quarterback, too, on the high end. And I'd rather just re-roll at cost in the draft or pivot down to like a Kirk Cousins, you know, or another quarterback, too, and get a first in addition or, you know, a, a really nice piece in addition to that. So I think me and Trey were very much on the same page about pivot, pivoting down off of these 2020 quarterbacks. So, so you're not a member of two and on. I am, you know, I'm not a member of two and on, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that he moves over to the, uh, the, I don't know, communist party of Tua. <laughs> I, I was trying to make like a, a, a funny, like play on words there. What you couldn't rhyme tug of Iloa, bro. To, Come on. To let listeners know that I, uh, I am on the opposite spectrum of, uh, the, the, the QAnon, uh, in, in our, in our culture wars the, here. The democratic know, but, socialists of Florida here. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mitch talked about selling Cortland Sutton off of that Russell Wilson bump. Trey talked about selling Joe Burrow off of that Super Bowl bump. And I talked about selling Tua off of the Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead bumps. So you got to take advantage of those bumps if you got these guys on your team. All right, let's kick off this second half. We're going to keep talking running backs and then we're going to gesture toward the tight end class, uh, which is all that those guys deserve. No, I'm, you know, shout out to tight ends. We, we love the big boys like Trey. All right. Tyler Algier, the next running back we're going to talk about, guy out of BYU. He was really productive in his junior year with Zach Wilson. And I think one of the questions going into this year was, could he maintain that productivity without Zach Wilson? And he really did as a senior. So, Good size at 5'11", 224 pounds. He's got solid production as a receiver. You look at the production profile, and there's a lot to like, Trey. So even with average athleticism for the position, what do you think about Tyler Algier? I mean, that's exactly right. It's it's all about the production profile for me with Algier. So I love the 36% college dominator. Uh, I love the 10% target share, and I love the 128% BAE rating. That tells me he is very efficient when he gets his opportunities and he gets a lot of opportunities because he's good. But, uh, you know, of course I don't love the level of competition at BYU. So he loses some points there, which is why he kind of drops down into this third tier of quarterbacks for me. Uh, he comes in as my rookie running back. Did I say quarterbacks? (laughs) This third (laughs) tier of running backs for me. Uh, he comes in at rookie running back seven. Uh, so I like him right after guys like Damian Pierce and Isaiah Spiller. I'd consider with a late second in the rookie draft. Um, I, I think that there's teams that are going to uh, want to get him involved in a rotation for sure. Yeah. You guys mentioned it. He's he's pretty average. He He's pretty average at everything he does. And like it's hard for me to watch his tape and get excited about anything he does really. But uh, some team might go bananas and pick him up early. And this, he's got good size, 5'11", 224. Like, like you said, he's got solid production as a wide receiver and he looks to be a pretty smart runner. It's just, he's one of the most difficult guys for me to evaluate in this class here because he doesn't really excel at anything. But, as you said, he's he's pretty good. Like he's a good player, right? So like, 
I, I, but pretty good. So I don't know really where to put him. So he does excel at that BAE rating, right? So that 128%, I mean, that tells me that he is performing against these same fronts versus his teammates, right? And so, I mean, that's, that's just a level of efficiency that is significantly above, you know, other guys like, uh, you know, Brian Robinson, other guys like Isaiah Spiller, you know, who are also in committee situations and just did not outperform their own teammates on their own mm-hmm. team. I could just I'm thinking from a fantasy perspective, though, like I can see him as part of a committee in the NFL where he's putting up like six or seven carries for like 34 and a half yards, you know, like yeah. not really doing yeah. anything. And so he, he projects as a backup running back. In the and NFL, so like. You know, I, I want to be excited about like, I think that he's going to be on a roster. And I think like from a like personal standpoint, he seems to be a good football player. But I don't know if there's a whole lot there from a fantasy standpoint. And that that's just kind of where I'm at until the draft. I'm I'm not banging the table for this guy. And I, I, th- I saw somebody on Twitter talking about this earlier. Like there's a lot of Khalil Herberts in this draft, mm-hmm. you know, just like good running backs. They're going to end up as handcuffs and will occasionally get some opportunities to shine, but, you know, probably aren't going to be like significant difference makers. And I think Algier kind of falls in that, in that bucket. All right, let's move on uh, to the final guy. We're going to kind of talk about in a reasonable amount of depth. And that is Kyron Williams out of Trey's Notre Dame uh, came into the combine with a lot of hype. I, he was kind of roundly considered a top five-ish, if not top four running back in the class pre-combine. But then the combine happened and he completely bombed. Eighth percentile speed score, 21st percentile burst, came in kind of lighter and slower than we thought he might. Um, He's lauded for his pass catching ability and his pass protection, which could translate to a third down role in the NFL if somebody gives him the opportunity. But Mitch... Because he was so poor in athletic testing, I'm really curious what you saw on tape because he is fading fast among most people. But coming into the combine, it seemed like a lot of people really liked what they saw when they watched him. Mm -hmm. I hope Trey can help us out to find out what happened at the combine with this guy here. But everything else, like everything on tape, he looked really good. Like, I loved his pass catching. I, I loved his pass blocking. Like you mentioned, he he looked like a really comfortable running back, like running routes. Right. And you love to see that uh, in this transition to the NFL. Um, I would love to see him take that third down back role on a team like the Titans um, or, you know, as mentioned there, Um I, I'm not sure what happened at the combine there, um, but there was nothing I really found in his tape that uh, that didn't tell me that he would be at least uh, something I would consider spending a draft pick on in uh, fantasy. Yeah, you know, I don't really have anything to say except for, you know, I loved him as a college player. I thought he was a team leader, a team captain, you know, somebody who uh, kind of the rest of the team was able to rally around. Uh, but unfortunately, that leadership doesn't translate into 40 time, you know, and uh, I guess if there's anything you want to poke holes in in his production profile, you look at his 4.9, per, uh, excuse me, his 4.9 uh, yards per carry average in college. So while he was breaking away some of those catches out of the backfield, he was also getting stuffed at the line 
a fair amount as well. So it looked like he made his bread and butter like in that passing game, sticking his foot in the ground and picking up extra yardage after the catch, though. And I think that like I think going into the NFL, teams are going to pay attention to that. I, I feel like there are a lot of running backs. Kenneth Gamewell comes to mind just taking for that pass catching ability. So you know, even if he goes in the fourth round or something like that, I could see him utilized in a uh, like reasonable fantasy role, like n- n- not something that you're going to get super excited about, but definitely somebody you'd want on the back end of your roster. So, yeah, Mitch, that's who I was thinking of as well. I think Gainwell is kind of the best outcome for Kyron Williams at this point, which is really disappointing because he was looking like a top three or four guy. Uh, as late as you know, a month and a half ago. But he seems like a smart player, though. So some maybe that's uh, that'll show through more than his uh, failed combine here. Because like, I just was shocked to hear the combine results. Honestly, like when you watch the film and then you hear the results, you're like, "Are you sure that's not a different dude?" Uh, times you sure about all that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think like. I went into the combine kind of thinking based on what I had heard that he wasn't going to burn by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like he was getting a lot of comps to like Naheem Hines coming into the combine, which I didn't agree with because Naheem Hines is extremely fast, yeah. right? Yeah. So like Olympic sprinter um, fast. Right. So I just because of like the third down, right? It was like ceiling outcome of Austin Eckler or whatever for Kyron Williams. And that's just, not the case because he's not that kind of athlete. No. But I think this is a situation in which, okay, he's going to be tanked down our rankings, right? But we at least have to kind of use it as an opportunity to reflect on the fact that coming into the athletic testing, he was really high on a lot of people's boards. So if he gets some draft capital, if he lands in an interesting situation where he's got a role to carve out, it's something we should at least pay attention to and not just completely throw out the window because, you know, he ran so slow at such a small. Yeah, I will say I still have him at running back seven. So it's not okay. like he's oh, like, yeah, I do. It's not like he's. Yeah, he's down. He's down to 12 for me. Yeah, he's he's outside my top. I haven't now, punted but... him into the sun quite yet just because I think that he could catch on uh, more quickly than some of these other dudes. And has, I guess, like like Algier, for example. I don't really see like the the upside in taking a guy like him. I'd rather have Kyron Williams. Well, I disagree with you there, but uh, hey, uh, so I'll have more Algier on my squad, and you'll have Kyron. That's fair. All right, I kind of wanted to go through like some final running backs to mention. So for me, uh, my current running back six is Jerome Ford, who is an Alabama transfer to Cincinnati. He played really well in his final season. He is very fast. You know, he ran a 4.46 at the Combine. I actually thought he had a chance to be the fastest guy at the Combine, but that's still, uh, you know, an 84th percentile speed score. I think he's got a chance to, like, get drafted in the fifth or sixth round, maybe be the Elijah Mitchell of this class. Um, I, I like Jerome Ford. Another guy I just wanted to throw out really quick is Keontae Ingram out of USC. He transferred from Texas. Six foot, 221 pounds, so pretty big, and ran a 4.53, which is pretty fast for that size. He's got uh, some pretty good pass catching ability. Uh, I think this is a guy 
that, you know, could end up being like a good value in your rookie drafts, maybe running back four. So just wanted to throw out Jerome Ford and Keontae Ingram. Trey, uh, any guys you want to throw out? Yeah, I've got one more name. Uh, this is Tyler Beatty, uh, running back out of Mizzou. Uh, talk about a super strong production profile with this guy. 43% dominator and an 18% target share. So he was essentially the uh, Missouri offense. And if you like a guy like James Cook, then you should love Tyler Beatty because I think he gives you everything James Cook does and you can probably get him around later. So definitely somebody that I would be looking to scoop up in the third round. Do you think if uh, James Cook was not named James Cook, do you think Haiti would be ranked higher than him? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I I, I think Beatty right now is uh, projected to go fifth round while Cook's projected to go third round. So um, that'll probably shake out the same when we get to uh, our rookie drafts. But uh, I think this is a good late round dart throw right here. One more guy, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. He is very fast. I don't know much about him, but I feel like he's kind of rising in dynasty circles. So we'll see where Pierre Strong, if he gets drafted. All right. Let's quickly talk about the 2022 tight end class. And it's a pretty rough class. There's not a whole lot of athleticism to get excited about here, which I think is the primary thing along with draft capital we look for when we're taking flyers at the position. So just to kind of give some context, like if Pat Fryermuth was in this class, he would, as a prospect, not even thinking about what he did in his rookie year, he would be the clear far and away tight end one. So that's my opinion. There's one guy who I think you should consider drafting in the third round who we're going to talk about and all the rest of the guys, at least until we get draft capital as the final input, I think they're at best like a Tommy Tremble level dart throw. So, but I think the one guy who should probably get drafted maybe in the second round of the NFL draft for sure is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. He had a big senior year with 1,121 yards, only one touchdown, solid all-around tight end. He's got a reputation for blocking. He grades out pretty well in NFL.com scores. Trey, what's your thoughts on what I think is the tight end one of the class for most people? Well, first off, I agree with you. I do think he is the top tight end of this class. So no doubt Trey McBride uh, stands a tier above uh, the rest of this class. Uh, and he is projected to go in the middle of the second round. So we like to see he's, that. He's got sure. an elite name, right? Oh, great name. Elite great name. first name. It's it's hard to beat that name. So look, uh, he apparently graded in today uh, on his 40 time at a four, five, six uh, at his pro day, which is pretty fast for a big man like that. Uh, since it is a pro day time, I'll round that up to a four, six, one. Uh, which puts him right in line with some of the other guys that I would actually consider elite athletes in this class. So I, I kind of do have a bone to pick with what you said in the intro there, because I do think there's some really strong athletes in the second tier of tight ends. They're just flawed prospects overall. But back to Trey McBride, I think he's kind of closer to Pat Fryermuth than you suggest. Okay. Uh, and his 46.3% college dominator just shows what an incredible like focal point of the Colorado state offense he was last year. I mean, that's insane. Like that is essentially saying he's worth like two and a half wide receivers, like on his own, which is nuts. So um, yeah, I mean, he was soaking up the targets there. He clearly was like their whole offense, but it was Colorado state. So I'm not going to put too much weight on it. Yeah. Right. It wasn't the sec. So 
I would be happy taking this guy in the mid to the late second, uh, similar to where we were taking Patty F last year. Okay. Okay. He, he, for me, he kind of grades out as like a third round rookie pick in Superflex. Um, but you know, if you if you think he is closer to Pat Fryermuth, uh, then then I can appreciate that. I'm actually with Trey on this one. So typically, I steer clear of tight ends, and we'll get to the rest of them shortly. But with Trey McBride, uh, I think you're right. Like he is in a tier by himself and not just fantasy wise but nfl talent wise so the nfl teams know that as well and potentially may overdraft him so if this guy goes early second or like top of the first or something crazy like that then all of a sudden we're talking about a tight end uh, that that we're drafting in maybe even the first the end of the first round of a rookie draft and so like no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, thank you. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, thank you. Just no. If that happens, if he goes, if he goes late first, early second, I think I'll be priced out at that. That's at what that I'm. I'm not saying yeah. I'm that gonna better be, be a three point tight end premium. League. I'm not signing <laughs> up, throwing money at the situation, but I'm saying that's how drastically the situation can change with uh, one guy leading the class like this. For sure. So, For sure. I'm not. Yeah. On, I'm not on board, guys. <laughs> For sure. But uh, but yeah. So he he looks pretty good. Not great. Uh, I I'm kind of the wait and see approach with tight ends, so I don't think he'll be on my team regardless of where he gets drafted. Yeah, so you know, Mitch said we're going to talk about the rest of these guys. I mean, we're going to kind of skim over them just because I think, like, as a group, you know, it, generally I like to kind of dig into the weeds of even the deeper prospects, but like with these tight ends, I'm really going to need to see where they land, what kind of draft capital they get. It's just like, as I'm looking at their profiles, I'm, I just can't get excited about any of them. I will say a guy that I am watching is Jelani Woods out of Virginia, uh, who played at Oklahoma state his first couple of years. And, uh, I'm basically watching him because he is like a 99th percentile relative athletic score guy, right? He is six, seven, 252 pounds. And he ran uh, a four six one. So, you know, I, I'm looking for that athleticism, right? If it if it translates into some draft capital, uh, I'm probably going to chase that guy in the third round. You know, end of the third round, like I did with Tommy Tremble. Um, didn't really produce that much in college. Uh, he came out uh, his his transfer year to Virginia with 598 yards and eight touchdowns, which is pretty decent for a tight end. Um, but again, not super excited. Trey, are, are there some guys that you want to go over kind of before we close out here? Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Jelani Woods. So there's actually four guys in my second tier, and he's definitely one of them. And that athletic test, uh, that athletic testing is definitely the reason why. So um, he's a he's an interesting guy because he kind of fits that Logan Thomas profile, like you know, former quarterback who uh, transitioned to tight end and ended up blowing up late, but um. My my number two tight end in this class is actually Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. Uh, so he's a little bit undersized versus what I like at 6'4", 243. Uh, but he grades out really well. He's got a 6.24 on the Lance Zerline grade. Uh, that kind of projects as a starter in the league. Uh, he's also got a pretty good athletic testing as well, the 82nd percentile athlete according to the relative athletic score. Uh, he's got a 27.3% college dominator, which is very strong. And uh, out of all of the guys in this range, 
He has an 18.6 yard per catch average, which just tells me he once you get the ball in this guy's hands, uh, he's able to do something special with it. So that is just like a level of upside, which is just kind of a slight edge above the the Charlie Kolar and the Jelani Woods of this class. So he's somebody that I would I would definitely be looking for a dart throw just because of that production out of the Pac-12. Okay. Okay. What dart? When are you throwing that dart? Out of curiosity, oh, yeah, dulcet. mid, early to mid third. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, I think you're you're easily going to be able to get him there. I think obviously if he gets higher draft capital than we are expecting, uh, but I think there's so many like wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks in this class. Um, even if there's not a lot of top end talent, especially at the running back and quarterback position, there's a lot of volume, right? So I I think that's going to push these tight ends down to where if you're the type of player that likes to take their shots, right? John has talked about this before. Mitch is kind of more of the wait and see and, you know, pay up when you find a good one type of player, which I think is also legitimate. Um, but if you like to take those third round, fourth round rookie pick shots, on tight ends, they're going to get pushed down there for sure. Um, because you know, I, this is a little bit maybe overdetermined. Uh, people are saying this a lot. I'm not sure how true it is, but it seems like it's a deep class. It seems like there's a lot of guys to kick the tires on, just not a lot of guys to get super extra excited about. Yeah, I guess here's, here's my example here, I guess. So you're saying that at best, we're hoping that these guys are going to be Tommy Tremble from last year. That's kind of my expectation. Is I, so and Tommy Tremble's value was tight end 33 last year, and uh, it's gone all the way up to tight end 30 right now. So I guess my, my wait-and-see approach, I think that kind of sums it up there. Like, I, I don't like dudes like that clogging my roster i don't mind them on a on a taxi squad if you have a league that has a taxi that lets you keep guys there for like three years then that's the perfect situation to draft a tight end but these guys values aren't going to to skyrocket up unless they are that you know that like top six guy right and then they're so so mitch let me just let me challenge you on that though because later than tommy trimble last year you could get brevin jordan right and and that's a guy whose value has skyrocketed well skyrocketed but relative all the way up to yeah yeah, all the way up to tight end 14 or 15 right overall so i do think that there's a couple of guys in the second tier that look to me like better prospects than brevin jordan was a year ago so trey that I, I see what you're saying, but the and tight end 14 or 15 seems high. But what is that actually worth? Like, what is a Brevin Jordan worth on the trade market? I, I feel like it's still not worth much at all. Like you can you can get what, like a, a late second for him, which is essentially just a little bit higher than where you picked him in the first place. Mm, I don't know. That's what I was going to disagree with, because I think. If you picked Brevin Jordan, I think you probably picked him like earliest in the fourth or something yeah, like that. Yeah, third right? or fourth. So I think, you know, maybe you can get a late second for him, but that's still a, a pretty decent sized profit, uh, especially you gotta make the if move, you're thinking though. about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You got to make the move if, if you can. Yeah. And also, I mean, we know with these tight ends, like it is a three year window, right? So you don't necessarily sell 
at max value after year one, right? You expect that like value to continue to increase in years two and three. So yeah, the other guys in this tier that I like that we haven't talked about, Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State. Uh, he's somebody that looks a lot like Jelani Woods in terms of athletic profile. Uh, I think his uh, production and his film grade is just an edge higher than Jelani Woods. So that's somebody that, um, you know, I would have right there with them in the beginning to mid of the third round. And then uh, Kate Otten out of uh, Washington, uh, six foot five, 247. He, his film score actually came out as the very top of this class ahead of Trey McBride. Uh, so he's somebody who really pops on tape. Um, doesn't necessarily have the elite athleticism, but he's got the production to back that up. So, I mean, there's a handful of guys here uh, that I think are all worth third round dart throws. Yeah, there is. Uh, earlier, you brought up Brevin Jordan, Trey, and there, there's a guy, uh, you know, a running joke on this podcast is Brevin Jordan, elite athlete, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And there, there's a guy like who was a lot of people's, if not, you know, tight end one or two, at least kind of top four or five tight ends in this class. And that was Jalen Weidermeyer out of uh, Texas A&M. And then uh, that man came into his pro day uh, and ran a 5.0240. So <laughs> you flex that down to 5.07 for that pro day bump. Mm. And that is the first percentile uh, in terms of uh, speed. It's not fast. tight end. Yeah. No. Third percentile speed score. So uh, Jalen Weidermeyer, guys, this year's Brevin Jordan. <laughs> I'd rather have Bre- Brevin Jordan than this guy. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, for today's episode of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. This was episode 49. So we're hitting our half century mark next week. Uh, talked about the, you know, kind of part two of the running backs and the tight ends. Next week, we begin a two-week series talking about the meat and potatoes of Dynasty, the rookie wide receivers. Let's but go. we will see you next week. Later. See ya. Goodbye.